Almighty God, you are not only great and powerful, but as we have heard this morning, intimate, and that you think about us with thoughts so countless, they're more than the sands on the seashore. Father, we're comforted to know that and to know that we can count on thy presence this afternoon because we were gathered in your name, more than two or three of us. Father, you know our needs. You know the needs uh, that have been expressed, and we want to pray specifically for Sister Monica and her family who are going through a, a trial that you would show yourself strong on their behalf, uh, comfort them, and even show your power to heal and to, to restore. Father, we want to pray uh, for the needs that haven't been expressed. Lord, we know there is much private hurt and sadness that people are going through, but just as we cannot hide, though we go in the depths of the sea, Lord, uh, or the heights of the mountain, Lord, you are there, and you are aware of all that we struggle with, and Lord, we pray that you would give present aid and comfort and strength. Father, we pray this afternoon as we would open your word that, again, you would reveal yourself and your spirit would speak to each one of our hearts. Lord, speak in spite of, the, of thy servants. Lord, we pray that you'd be empty, that the words would be from you and would be used by you for your glory alone. Lord, we pray this in weakness, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn together to um, the epistle of Paul to the Romans, chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, and let's read the 17th verse. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In this verse, we have a summary, a a boiling down of, of important truths. The Apostle Paul has been speaking to some differences that were between the cultures there in Rome, those who may have had religious sensitivities in their diet that felt it was wrong to eat meat, perhaps it was offered to idols, and others who saw meat as meat and and didn't see an issue with it, and he was giving them some instruction about that. That we shouldn't judge one another, he said in verse 13, but judge this rather that no one put a stumbling block or occasion to fall in his brother's way. 
For I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And so it seemed that the, the, the church was really getting worked up about issues of practice, of whether it was right to eat this meat or whether it was wrong to eat this meat. And Apostle Paul wanted to take a step back and get a bigger perspective and said, you know, that's not what it's all about. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about whether we eat meat or what kind of meat we eat. It's not about uh, these particular practices. It's something deeper and more meaningful. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In John 6, uh, 35, I'll just read it for you. It tells us that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, you might say that seems to be a contradiction, that here we say it's not meat and drink, and there Jesus said he is the meat and drink. But if you remember the context there in John 6, he had just finished feeding the 5,000, and then he, his disciples had gone across the lake, and he had walked across in the middle of the night, so they didn't know that, and they came looking for him, surprised that he got across the lake, and, and really Jesus exposed their motivation that they wanted some more meat and drink. They wanted some bread because they had been fed before. They were looking for free food. And... Jesus had to tell them, you know, it's not, again, about I am the fulfillment of these desires that you have, these um, God-given desires. God has given you desires to enjoy food and drink and, and relationships and all that he has given us. But Our problem is we sometimes get satisfied with the gift and we don't realize that Jesus not only came to save us from our sins, but to satisfy our souls. Let me say that again. Jesus came not only to save us from our sins, but to satisfy our souls. And I'm sure he shakes his head sometimes as he looks down and sees how how easily satisfied we are with what, what is only supposed to be a pointer to his deeper and greater satisfaction. The bread that may taste good for the first bite but becomes stale that points us to the bread of life, which is Jesus, who really meets our deepest needs. Our deepest needs are really relational, that we need to know that we matter, that we belong, that we're loved. This morning we heard David describing God as a God who 
really loves us, who's kept track of the very atoms that were forming your body before your body was even there, that, that knows you so intimately, that cares about such details, that loves you, that is with you no matter where you go. And just as, as Jesus, the bread of life, supersedes the bread that we eat and, and the water of the Holy Spirit that springs up in us as a well of life eternal satisfies us in such a deeper level than the water that we will thirst again in that he is the ultimate husband, the ultimate one who can um, make us accepted, belong, the ultimate father, really. We read in 1 John, behold, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing, and John tries to grab your attention. He says, behold, what manner of love the father has for us that we should be called the children of God. And, and, and we can say, why? Why, God, would you want me as your child? What have I done that would ever deserve that I have who have disappointed you so many times? I who have shaken my fist in your face. I who deserve your wrath and not your, your uh, mercy and love. Why do you not only forgive me, not only wipe the past clean, at the expense of your son's blood, but take me into your family and make me belong and delight in me. Sometimes uh, we think uh, that we need to be reverent and therefore not show a lot of emotion. But really, if we can show emotion at the petty losses that we experience in this temporal life, should we not be moved? Should we not be moved by the incredible, matchless, immeasurable love that is, that, that is uh, greater than height and length and breadth and any other creature and heaven above and earth beneath that nothing can separate us from that incredible love. Isn't that something that should move us? And that it satisfies our desires. You see, many people, what we read here to begin with was that the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Some people sometimes think that it should read, the kingdom of heaven is guilt, conforming in the fear of man, that we feel bad for the things we've done. And maybe in the context of Romans 14, I need to be afraid of what people think and, and try to please people, and that it's about being driven by a sense of duty and obligation and being stressed out about these things. And that I need to deny 
my desires um, so that uh, I can be good. But really, God wants to satisfy our desires. Yes, we will need to let go of some of those illegitimate ways we try to to meet those desires. But God isn't desiring, wanting you to become a, a dry and empty vacuum. He wants your life to be abundant and overflowing. He wants you not to walk with a long face and, and in fear and in guilt. He wants you to have peace and joy, to live uprightly by His grace. And to be filled with the Holy Ghost, that it becomes an overflowing of God's meeting your deepest desires, rather than a human suppressing of desires by our own will as we struggle in a world full of temptation to keep our eyes from seeing anything and to walk that narrow way. The truth is that God has given us something far more. And when, and I know in my own experience, it was only when, when I, instead of trying to to be good and to avoid and to, to walk through that minefield, but rather when I connected with that relationship, when when reading his word was 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 a, a a communion with God. In prayer, I knew there was a connection with God. And when these disciplines were not things that I had to do, but rather that I found a delight in doing because God was incredibly undeservedly reaching out and communicating with me. Only then did the things of this world become strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace, a glorious face, that the the things that Satan would offer to my desires paled in comparison with how God was meeting those deepest desires. And so the thought I would like to, to lay before us this afternoon, as we were going to sing maybe in a, a few minutes, the the songs about uh, uh, another psalm where David said that as the deer pants for water when he's heated in, in the, after being chased, even so we can desire God with that kind of hunger. As a newborn child desires the milk of its mother, that we can desire something so deep and beautiful and nutritious as God's word. C.S. Lewis uh, once expressed it that, um, that, again, Christianity may be falsely characterized by having to deny our desires, and maybe this comes from the Stoics or something like that, but, but really, when we look at the gospel, he says, and, and the, the unblushing promises of reward, and what incredible reward that is offered us through his word, that God may fault us not for having desires, but for not desiring enough, for, for being satisfied 
maybe as a child is satisfied making mud cakes in the slums when they're being offered a vacation by the seaside. That, that they, they don't want what's enough. They're, allow, they're allowing themselves to be satisfied with too little. And that when we satisfy ourselves with the things of this world that will never satisfy us, that will never be enough, because there is something in us that desires something deeper. As we study this past Wednesday, the, the meaning of the word peace, which we you know, typically would define as an absence of conflict, but the Greek word points to, to, to being joined, to being made one again. And really, it's at that point where we are made one again with that relationship with our Father, our Heavenly Father, that we can feel at peace and that all of our needs are not only met, but that there's an overflowing. You see, if you think of, of and maybe you've heard stories of, of someone who has won the lottery and they know they're going to get, I don't know, $100 million uh, coming in a check, uh, they don't seem to wait until they have that check before they start spending. Have you ever noticed that? And immediately, they are becoming generous to, to their parents and their friends and their family because they know this wealth is coming. But you and I have a wealth that's coming, a wealth that frees us from having to worry from day to day whether we will be able to meet our desires because we have a heavenly father who knows what we need and is committed to supply, who has said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And with that check coming and with that check being promised and that God who cannot lie and never breaks his faith with his creation, we can afford to be generous and we can afford to be joyful. We can afford to be joyful. I think the person who had won that million dollars, if he gets a, uh, an electricity bill that's $50 more, he's not going to be stressed. If, if he has a parking ticket that day, it's not going to bother him. But if we keep our eyes and take and, and realize and let ourselves be moved and let our emotions not drive us, but be driven by faith in the facts of the living word of what God has promised, what he's given as his earnest down payment, the Holy Spirit, God himself living in us, ever-present, able to guide us. And as we value that, we can be release our worries, our fears, and be at peace and live in joy no matter what our circumstances. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not what we can't do and what we're restricted from doing. 
or even the satisfying of our desires here and now, but righteousness, the feeling of being clean and right and having nothing to hide, of peace, of being united with God and knowing that you are safe and secure and and joy of the overflowing, amazing fact that God loves you. We, we see the joy in the newlyweds. We see the joy of parents with their little children. We see this fresh, abundant, overflowing love. And, and it, is, it is refreshing to see. And in the same way, when we let our hearts be moved by the fact, by the reality, it's not wishful thinking, that God in heaven has taken you to be his child. And he delights in us. He has plans for us. He loves us and knows us intimately. Then we can have a joy that transcends the petty problems that we might face day to day. And then we have a joy in which the disciplines of reading his word, of spending time in prayer, of fasting and tithing and, and, and sharing with others, all of these things will no longer be, be duties that we need to check off, but simply an overflowing of a grateful heart that would come because we know of God's goodness and we wish to share it. We wish to, to relish in the time we have in it, we to revel in the treasure that we have already been given. May the Lord bless these few words.